I want to begin by telling a story. It's a story of a Midwestern kid who grew up in an average, I would say, middle-class American home. They, it was a moral environment. Uh, they were a church-going family, uh, kind of the all-American church family. The dad was choir director. The mom taught Sunday school. The sister played the organ. Brother was an usher, and the young man got to clean the toilets. He was the youngest, but they all had a job. <clears throat> grew up in the church, and uh, you know, if you would, if you would ask him today, he he had a foundation, and here's where he was at. He had a, he had a knowledge of God. He had a respect for God, but no relationship with God. Didn't know he could. Didn't know he was supposed to. His family moved from a rural area to a big town. They started a family business, and he became very independent at a young age and developed an attitude of rebellion. He started experimenting with alcohol at age 13, started smoking marijuana and hashish at 15, amphetamines at 16, all because he really wanted to be liked and be accepted. He compromised many of his morals and his values for the sake of relationships. He was a good student, a decent athlete, and his friends were popular, they were influential, they were just having fun, but his quest for fun led to many bad choices, blown opportunities, which led him down a really bad path. By the time he was 17, during his senior year, his high school principal called him in to his office and offered to give him his diploma if he left town or at least left school. He refused, thinking he was having too much fun. But his parents were desperate, so they flew him to Northern California to live with his aunt in hopes to straighten this black sheep out. Living in the Bay Area only gave him more opportunities to do more drugs, barbiturates, cocaine, LSD, psilocybin, heroin, to name a few. Met more dealers, so deeper into the drug culture he went. After a time, he moved back to his Midwestern town where he proceeded to get arrested on misdemeanor drug charges in and out of city and county jails. And the last minute, he enrolled to go to college at the state university. And during his freshman year, he was arrested on federal drug charges, and at the age of 18, was sentenced to three months in prison. Upon his release there, he was placed on two-year felony probation, and during those two years, he proceeded to try to fill this hole in his heart with sex, drugs, rock and roll, money, adventure, hobbies, never finding the peace that he was looking for. Also during this time, he lost his driver's license twice, he was on probation in four different counties in that state, almost killed in two car accidents, but he would tell you he claimed he was just fine. He was released from felony probation, left his hometown, moved to Colorado, seeking more fun, more adventure, more women, and there he did meet a young woman who caught his attention, then she captured his heart. After living in the mountains for a while, they eventually moved back to that Midwestern town again where the young man had grown up helping run the family business. Shortly after they returned, his girlfriend gets exposed to the gospel. She gets saved and starts to encounter God, experiencing miracles in her life. All the while, he's still doing drugs, still getting it wrong, but God had a plan for both of them. They were married, and in a very non-conventional manner, I would say. She was seven months pregnant. He was high on cocaine and champagne and got married in a park in the town he grew up in. Two months later, this new wife gave birth to a boy, a miracle child. You see, doctors had told her that she could never, ever have children. And she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and God did something miraculous in her body. She also had supernatural childbirth, minimal labor, very little pain, truly a miracle. 
This got the young man's attention, but he was still trying to fill the hole in his heart. This time it was with fitness and sports and recreation, ran road races, competed in tournaments, had some success. And then it was making money. There was more adventure, still looking for peace, looking to fill that hole in his heart. They bought a house, and he continued to help run the family business. And from the outside, it looked like he was getting it together, growing up, mellowing out. But at 26 years old, he was still as empty as that 18-year-old kid sitting in prison. And then he had a beautiful two-year-old boy that wanted to be just like Daddy. Problem was, Daddy didn't want to be like Daddy. He knew he was still missing something. Then at age 26, after turning away from the church and God for nearly a decade, he attended a church service at a Bible-believing church where there was an altar call, was offered for anyone to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All this language was new to him, but in his heart of hearts, he realized that this is what he'd been looking for his entire life, possibly the filler of that hole. In dramatic fashion, his heart pounding so hard that it felt like it was coming out of his chest, this young man went running down to the front, got on his knees, and started bawling like a baby. This young man, who was full of pride and ego and vanity, surrendered his life to Jesus in a little red brick church, and he's never been the same since. That was November of 1982 when his life was changed forever. This young man who had done it all wrong, who in the eyes of the world and even in some of the church was beyond hope, experienced the unconditional love and the amazing grace of God and truly became a brand new creation. I love telling the story because to me it's a story of hope. That no one is beyond God's grasp. And it's a story that no one can tell quite like me because it's my story. And some of you are going, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> some, of, <laughs> some of you are going, who is this guy? Who am I? Well, my name is Brian Demmel. I am the new groups pastor and men's pastor here at Cape Christian. Um, I, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm a close relative of your, your lead pastor. I love your lead pastor. I've been following his career for 42 years. And... Uh, Truly excited to be here. And yes, uh, I came from a really great church in Nebraska, so yeah, now you have two hopeless Husker fans. It was a bad day for us. We won't even go there. <clears throat> uh, I really tried to train my children to love Jesus and love the Huskers, and I think so far they're doing that both pretty well. But I want to say this. <clears throat> um, I'm excited to be here. So excited to be part of this church. And it's not just a job. I'm passionate about this message I'm going to share because I just don't believe in community. I don't believe in groups. I've seen how it's changed not only other people's lives, how it's changed my life. And it's impacted so much. So I'm going to jump back to my story. So shortly after Deb, <clears throat> after I came to Christ, Deb and I got invited to a small group. It was young couples. Uh, here's the thing. I knew I needed it. I knew it would be good for me. I even knew what the Bible said about it. But I, it, something was stopping me. There was variables that caused me pause. And I'm going to share these. And just maybe you can relate to maybe one of these. <clears throat> First of all is my attitude. So we, we got, we got uh, assigned to a group, and we, uh, their name was Mark and Vicki Spells. Now, I had never talked to this guy. I knew of him. They had, a fam they had a business in the city we lived in. I thought he was cocky. I thought he was arrogant. I didn't want to be in his group. I had, thought he had an attitude. No, I'd never met him, but I was <laughs> sure I knew who he, you know, what he was all about. But later on, the Lord uh, showed me that somebody did, did have an attitude, and it wasn't him. It was me. 
Second was my ignorance of what it was. Ignorance is simply not knowing. I didn't know what a small group was like. I had this picture of people sitting in chairs with a Bible on their lap. First of all, I knew nothing that was in here. And I thought, what if they're stiff? What if they're weird? And then all these thoughts went through my mind. What if Mark is a jerk? What if the people are weird? What if they have cats? What, <laughs> what, if, I, what if I try to get out of the house and I can't? You're laughing because we've all done something like that. Then it was my misconception that I was the only one damaged, the only one messed up, the only one who had questions about God, frustrated with religion. And last was this, my fears and insecurities. If I'm really vulnerable and I tell them what I'm like, will they like me? Will they reject me? Will they accept me? Will they judge me? So eventually I relented and I went (laughs) and I found out I was wrong about everything. What I've learned is this, when you're in, we're in a community, when you're in a group, you're exposed to healthy models. And the men and women that have impacted my life over the years, it isn't so much what they said, even what they believed, but it's how they live their life. So this Mark Speltz, <clears throat> you know, I watched, and I, I watched how he treated his wife, and he always called his wife his bride. He respected his wife. I watched him how he raised his three daughters. I watched how he ran his family business. I watched how he conducted himself on the golf course, and I'm thinking, that's what I want to be like someday. We got exposed to these models. We did life together. This, this <laughs> same guy that I thought was a jerk, we became so close. We would, they would go off to, to a convention, and we'd move in for a week, take care of the girls. We, we vacationed together. We even planned a, f- a family vacation in Northern California because we did life together and had become family. And then at that, that time, something else significant happened. As a result, I started serving. They just, kind of like we do here at Cape Christian, get on a team. And I'm thinking, I, I hadn't been saved very long. I'm thinking, well, y'all must be sure to help if you're going to use somebody like me. I, I guess I'm willing. I mean, really? You're going to use me? But I started serving. And that's when be, the church, I went from attending to belonging. It was big. See, big church gets small when you join a team or get in a group. Since then, Deb and I have always done life together with others, even in our small groups, serving as youth pastors. It's not an option for us. It's part of our life of following Jesus. That's the way he designed it. And it was a major part of our spiritual transformation. Then I took another plunge. I got in a men's group. I wanted to know how to become a man of God. And because of what I came out of, is obvious. I need to be around men who had more wisdom, more integrity, more faith than I did. And I went, I drove 70 miles round trip, 6.30 every Friday morning, running a business, never convenient, and did that for 25 years. And I'm standing here today. I would not be who I am if I hadn't been connected in that group of men in those couple groups. Changed my life. Yeah, thanks. I eventually became the small groups pastor at two churches in Nebraska, and to be honest, that's why I'm here at Cape Christian for such time as this. And I'm excited about what's going on. I'm excited about what I believe God wants to do. And all this happened for us because we took a risk, we got connected, and it changed our life. We like to say this here at Cape Christian, life is better in circles. Would you repeat after me? Life is better in circles. Okay, so in, in the time we have left, I'm gonna, we're going to take a moment, and we're going to talk about the significance of being in life-giving, Christ-centered relationships, and we're going to ask the following questions. Why would I want to? <clears throat> what does it look like? Who do I do it with? And how do I get connected? Okay, here's the first why. Why would I want to? Why, number one, it's better for your health. You'll live longer. Who wants to live longer? Okay, there are tons of studies out there, and I'm, only gonna, I'm going to read two statements. I mean, you can go and look it up. I mean, science and the med- medical um, <clears throat> society has proven that we are healthier when you're in life-giving relationships. 
Researchers found that most isolated people were three times more likely to die early deaths than those with strong relationships. Psychology Today said your social life may even be more important for your longevity than how much you exercise and how well you eat, in part because who you know is correlated to what kind of lifestyle you have. Isn't that interesting? So that's what the secular society says. So what about the church? Is it any different? Here's been my experience. I've been a Jesus follower for 39 years, pastor, doing ministry in some form for 35 of those. And here's what happens every weekend in churches all over the world. And I, I guarantee it happens here. People come to church, they have a smile on face. You sit in the same spots. You all sit in the same places. <laughs> you all do. <clears throat> you look at the back of somebody's head. You go out, yet you smile again. You have some casual conversations. You talk about having lunch. You don't put it in your daytime or your, your, your calendar and you go home lonely. I can't tell you how many times that happens in churches, and we don't want that happening here at Cape Christian. Okay, why number two? This is, this is an easy one. The Bible tells us to. We're going to look at a verse here. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 <clears throat> says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. In order to stir up love and good works, I need to be with you. We need to be connected. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, I got a kick out of that. They were having trouble getting people in groups back then. As the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, that word exhort is a strong, a strong encouragement. I can't exhort, I want to exhort you, I want to encourage you. Man, we need to get closer to Jesus, we need to be in community. It's a really strong word. You kind of earn the right to do that, though, out of relationship. Exhorting one another, and so much the more. We need to crank it up. As you see the day approaching, day is capital D, Jesus is coming back. How many of you know that to be true? He is coming back. I believe he's coming back soon. Yep. So that's what the Bible says. So here's my question. Who do you know and who knows you? Uh, my former pastor, who I love the man, <clears throat> amazing man of God, he made the statement all the time. He says, I hear better in community. I live better in community. I love better in community. Repeat after me. Life is better in circles. Okay, we're going to look at some why nots. We talked about the whys. We got to address some of the why nots. There are many reasons that people choose not to be in biblical community. Number one is busyness. And I'll, I'll admit, I'm the chief of sinners. I have been that in my life. Busyness. We're distracted. Schedules are maxed out, out of control. There's no margin in our lives, no room to add one more thing, and so we don't get connected. Second is activities. It could be yours or your kids, sports, recreation. And once you get to know me, I don't know anybody who likes sports and recreation more than me, but you got to be careful that it doesn't nudge out the thing that's the most important. Next thing, endless options and opportunities to fill up your calendar. <laughs> Life has become like the Cheesecake Factory menu. <laughs> it's a book. It's like there's 450 options I'm supposed to choose. I mean, this is the world we live in. Too many choices. Next, distractions, social media, television, Netflix. Here's a big one, fear, FOMO, fear of missing out, or fear that people will see what I'm really like, fear of being vulnerable, fear of being judged, fear of being disliked or rejected. And here's one, and this is a viable one, past bad experiences. Some of you have been in community and got burned, and I know that, but I want to, I want to encourage you. Don't give up on the very thing that's going to bring you life. And I've had to encourage people. I, I've heard a lot of stories over the years, and it's like, well, no wonder people don't want to come to church. Don't equate a bad group or church experience to who Jesus is. 
is more encouraging. Okay, so for, for me recently, I saw firsthand why it's such a big deal for us to be connected in life-giving Christ-centered relationships, and I'm gonna show you a number that might help us understand this a little more. Okay, you ready? A little exercise. Here's the number. Now, in this room, watching online, as you look at that number, it elicits a variety of thoughts, feelings, memories, emotions. I'm just going to share something I've seen over the last couple years. So for many of us, before the pandemic hit, we were connected. I mean, I'm really excited that there's so much connection here at Cape Coral, but a lot of people were connected. Then we had this thing that has never happened in my lifetime as a pandemic came, and it's called COVID, okay? Virus came which led us to become disconnected. And all of us in some form became disconnected. Some it was minimal, some was moderate. Some I know some horrible, tragic things have happened to people due to that. But we all <clears throat> got disconnected. You're disconnected long enough, you become, there, loneliness sets in. And then you say disconnected even longer. Here's the dangerous one. You become isolated. And isolated, isolation is a dangerous thing. Solitude and isolation are two different things. Solitude is me drawing away, getting with God, and getting filled up. Isolation is when I get cut off from everybody. And you become isolated long enough, you know what happens? You become vulnerable. I experienced it. I've seen this happen in the last couple of years. You become vulnerable. It's easy to create bad habits, which can lead to addictions. You become disinterested which can lead to deeper isolation, which can lead to mental, issue, mental health issues, and it just goes down the toilet from there. That's why it's so dangerous, because we were created, we were hardwired by God to be in community. Repeat after me, life is better in circles. Okay, we're going to look at, okay, what? What does it look like? Well, we're going to take a look real quick. What does this look like for the early church? I'm going to set the stage in the book of Acts. Jesus, he died, he rose again. He, after, this, after he rose again, he wandered around for 40 days, and they was talking to disciples, uh, revealing that he, had, he was physically rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. Ten days later, they were in Jerusalem at the, at the Feast of Pentecost, 120 in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came, and the church exploded. Jesus, the gutless one, or Jesus, Peter, the gutless wonder, who denied Jesus, stands up and gives the first recorded sermon in the New Testament, and we know that between three and 20,000 people got saved. That's some pretty good church. And the church that we're a part of right now was born. I challenge you to read the book of Acts and not get fired up. <clears throat> but at the end of his message, and we're going to look at a verse here, Acts 2.42, we see, an, we see models. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Again, we're going we're gonna to break this down real quick. And they continued steadfast. That means consistently in the apostles' doctrine. What's that? It's teaching. We need the word of God. There is no substitute for the word of God. There's a lot of information going around, but this is the one we can trust. Amen? See, this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. Amen? <laughs> Next is fellowship. That's Christian community. Christian community. Breaking of bread. Theologians believe that refers to communion, Lord's Supper, which we just did. 
but I believe it also refers to their social time, their hangout time. I mean, those people were just like us. They, they did stuff. Now, I'm not sure what they did, but you know, maybe they went to chariot races at Jerusalem Park. Um, they had falafel eating contests. They had all of chucking competitions. I don't know what they did, but they were doing life together. And the last is prayer, and we know that to simply mean talking to God. Now, of these four, of these ingredients, four can involve being with people, and three, absolutely, you have to. We're going to focus on one of these real quick, and that's the word fellowship. Now, last week you heard Pastor Corey, you learned two uh, Hebrew words. T- today, this weekend, you're going to learn a Greek word. It's the word koinonia. Can you say koinonia? Okay, it's the word fellowship. That's what the word fellowship means. And I'm just going to read this. And as I read this, you're going to feel the energy, what's in this, what's in this uh, word. It means sharing, unity, close association, partnership, participation, a society, a communion, a fellowship, contributory help, the brotherhood. It is a unity brought about by the Holy Spirit that cements believers to the Lord Jesus and to each other. As you read the book of Acts, as you read the lines in between the lines, there was an energy, there was a synergism. They had to be together. They were connected all the time. I don't see Peter and John going down like, oh, geez, we got small group again. Good Lord, I don't see it. They had to be together. Let's read on, verse 46 and 47. So continuing daily, say daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There was an energy. They were together. This is the church that we're a part of right now. It was birthed out of community. It was birthed out of houses. It was birthed out of sharing meals together. Three, three chapters later, we're going to see it again in Acts 5.42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as a Christ. What do we see here? Temple courts and house to house. What does that mean? They did life together in church and outside of church. Could you you repeat this after me? Temple courts, house to house. That was fun. Let's do it again. Temple courts, house to house. See, community is formed around a shared interest or location. Soccer teams, book clubs, fishing groups, professional organizations, and those are all good. They're all good. But fellowship, koinonia, is when we do life together with other believers. It's community centered around Jesus, and it's ignited by the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. See, it's always amazed me how you can feel closer to another believer that you may be known for 20 minutes than somebody you've known for 20 years. There's a kindred spirit. There's a common denominator. We have, a, we, have, we, have a, we have the same relative. We have our big brother saved us. And here's the other thing I, I've experienced over the years with community. When, I, when I'm connected, every one of us has a little piece of Jesus that's unique. And the more I need what you bring, every one of us brings something unique. And when we're together, when I'm around the body more, I feel like I'm connected with Jesus more. So, who's the we? Look at two verses. Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23 says, And he, God the Father, put all things under his feet, Jesus, and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Colossians 1.18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the, begin, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have supremacy. So we see this in Scripture. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. And here's the deal. I love those one-on-one times with Jesus. For me, it's during worship. Sometimes it's early in the morning when I'm having my hymn hymn time. 
But you know what happens? Many times I experience God the most when I'm connected to the body of Christ. He's the head, we are the body. See, I need you. And to be honest, we all need each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, what's up, body? <clears throat> the who you're supposed to be communing with might be sitting right next to you or behind you. We don't know. Okay. So I've shared with you the health industries. why. I've shared with you the Bible's why we need to be connected. I've shared with you my why you should be connected. But now I want you to hear what you said. Hi, my name is Alexis Thibodeau, and I have been coming to Cape Christian since 2016. I joined a small group because I really felt the need to have like-minded and like-hearted women in my corner. Um, I remember a series that Pastor Corey had done back then, and I really, my heart just yearned for women um, who love Jesus and who are constantly trying to grow the relationship with Jesus. So I joined a small group. It has been absolutely life-changing. We have become more of a life group. We have gotten married. There's some of us that have had kids. Our kids are growing up together. It seriously has been one of the most impactful and meaningful relationships and group of relationships that I've ever had. And to this day, we are in year five of our small group, which we like to call a life group because we really just do life together. And if there's anything that's pulling at your heart or maybe in your mind, like uh, join a small group, don't be afraid, take the risk, put yourself out there. And I know that God will truly do wonders in your life. Hi, my name is Janet, and I'm a small group participant. My name is Erica. And my name is Brian. And we are co-leaders for a group. My name is Martina. My name is Mario. I came to church, and I didn't know anybody. Sunday morning, I, I sat down next to this really lovely lady. She ended up introducing herself. She said, my name is Robin, and I lead a woman's Bible study group, which is going to be starting up pretty soon. So how about if you come and see if that's something you'd be interested in? I'm going, yeah. They just open their hearts and then you open your heart and, and they want to know what, what's bothering you. Why, why is your heart heavy? And it's an open forum with, where all these uh, grown men really come in and, and maybe for the first time in our lives, we open up like that and, and, and we can be ourselves and, and know that there's empathy on the other side. Uh, leading a group has impacted me in so many different ways. Uh, starting with uh, the family that it's provided, uh, the just people to do life with. Everything that I was looking for just fell in my lap all in that one visit. The impact of it hit me when I realized that I walked through the door and unwittingly sat next to the person who had the keys to the study that I wanted to take. I saw all these women coming together and opening up uh, about their lives, their real lives, what they're going through, and uh, opened their hearts and he, he helped me open my heart as well to Jesus. It just gave me so much perspective and overall it just made me so happy that uh, Jesus is doing such an amazing job here in this community. Most people would just come Sundays, do their Sundays and go about their week. They wouldn't know people in the church, they wouldn't get to know relationships, 
and that is a big difference when you're in a group. I met all of the other ladies in the group and they were just phenomenal, beautiful women. I loved them immediately and I still love them today. We're still together. They don't seem to be able to get rid of me. There was transformation in every study, not just one big transformation, but every time I learned something new, something I hadn't understood or hadn't heard before, and it just keeps on going. Really gives us the fuel that we need to get through the weeks. Um, and when we're not in our group, we're able to text or call people that have the same mindset as us and it, it really helps us with our relationship. Big churches you can get lost in, um, and when you have groups, you're found. Um, you're found in your friends, you're found in the Bible, you're found in your studies. Um, we have snacks at our group, and our prayers are always, by the way, God, this is your group, so they're your calories. <laughs> You, you should, should join, join a small group, group today. today. Sign up today. Right now. <laughs> so good. So good. Repeat after me. Life is better in circles. Okay, how to get connected. You know, you can pull out your phones. You can go to our app. You can go to the website. Um, actually, you can go to the group wall where you get signed up. Go to our connect desk. If you don't find a group, I want to encourage you to start a group. Come talk to me about leading a group. I've been meeting for the last three weeks. People said, I feel like maybe it's time for me to lead a group. Come talk to me. Let's, we, I told Pastor Corey this, that my desire as a group's pastor is that the only people who aren't in community are those who choose not to be. If you choose not to be, that's your, that's your decision. But we're going to do everything we can to find a place for you to go. Maybe it's Alpha. Maybe you're newer. You're newer. you got questions about God. That's Tuesday night. Thursday nights, we have beloved Pastor Cindy in this room teaches the Word of God. Yeah, come on. Kate Men on Thursday nights. We're all come come join Dave and I. We're we're gonna figure out how we can be better men of God. Guys, come to the men's conference. Um, you know, you can email groups at capechristian.com. You can email me. Here's the deal. My team exists to help you find your place to connect. Okay, as we close, you might be asking, doesn't it get kind of messy? Yeah, it, it can. You know, family's messy, but it's real. Isn't it easier not to? Absolutely. Way easier. But your life will be emptier. Isn't it risky? It can be. But it's worth it. As we close here and online, let me close by asking two questions again. Who do you really know? And maybe the more important question, who really knows you? The reason we do life together is <clears throat> because life is better in circles. And when I'm in a circle, I get to see Jesus through other people. If you're newer here, and, <clears throat> you know, as I was sharing my story, your heart kind of, maybe your heart was beating. It's like, you know, I'm kind of new to all this, but I feel like I want to take an opportunity <clears throat> to have a relationship with God. We want to give you that opportunity as we close. You know, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we're going to pray a prayer. If you... Want to, want to invite God into your life. We're going to pray a prayer. Immediately after that, I'm going to ask you to take your phone and text Cape Yes to 94000. We want to help you on this journey with Jesus because you heard my journey. It was 39 years ago, and we are still figuring things out. There's going to get some great videos from Pastor Corey and others. For some of us, you, you've made Jesus your Lord, but this might just be a time to rededicate. For some, it might be an openness, say, Holy Spirit, is it time for me to get connected? So can we pray? 
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you <clears throat> for the gift of salvation. We thank you this whole thing called community is your idea. That everything you ask us to do is for our own good. Lord, I just pray for everybody here. We just, to, to, to collectively, as a group in this room, we all here to admit that we've, we've blown it. We've missed the mark. But tonight, we receive the gift of your son, Jesus. The gift of grace, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of mercy. And we declare him as our personal Lord and Savior. And we thank you that we become brand new creation. And we want to live to follow you all the days of our life. Father God, I pray for the rest of us. Help us to look for those intersections, to look for those circles that you might want us in. Lord, we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end and everything we need in between. Amen.